Wise Turtle Speaks is a series of offerings merging philosophy, physics, math, biology, psychology, sociology, education, art, politics, and even love together. We will explore the patterns of our consciousness as it moves through space and time and use those patterns to better understand and solve our problems in all four dimensions of the universe. Namaste! I was just listening to a um, BBC World discussion uh, on the radio where there were a couple of different um, discussions. There were a couple, couple of different topics that came right after, one right after another uh, on the discussion. And, you know, I'm, I'm half asleep. This is, you know... Uh, three o'clock in the morning and I'm half awake because I've got a stomach ache. And, um, although sometimes I'm, I'm often awake randomly in the middle of the night. Apparently that's quite normal. It's a, something that our, our bodies normally do that people don't know about. Um, but anyway, um, some sort of half awake, sort of half thinking about these things and thinking about the philosophy and the psychology and everything of, of all the news that they're reporting and um, the first um, first topic was a guy uh, they were interviewing who had taken up boxing uh, because he had been uh, attacked um, as he was coming out of a gay bar and um, was, you know, somewhat seriously injured and decided that, you know, he wanted to take up boxing as a way to defend himself in case it ever happened again because he was tired of, of you know being afraid to go out and enjoy himself apparently um, so he'd taken up boxing and, and you know was thoroughly enjoying it and um, you know that got me to thinking of course that you know as as is commonly known but for some reason commonly ignored as well that uh, homophobic folks, uh, for the most part, um, it's it's pretty well shown, you know, psychologically, that homophobic folks um, are, in fact, themselves at least somewhat homosexual in their tendencies, in their thoughts, um, and that it's a, a repressive tactic that... Um, you know, as, as is true with most anything, the things you complain about most in others that you, you know, lash out about in others' behavior is what you dislike in yourself, what you're afraid of in yourself. Um, and it's usually a repressive sort of uh, third-person um, or even second-person uh, perspective that has gotten ingrained in your own system that is you know, is, is repressing that. So, you know, a parent or um, best friend or the media or something that has told you when you were younger that that behavior is, is bad, is evil, is wrong, um, and so that you've learned to repress it in yourself. And so when you see someone else expressing that otherwise healthy part of themselves, 
um, it gets you very angry. You're like, well, how is that person allowed to do that? That person can't be allowed to do this behavior that I've been told is wrong and evil and that I've had to repress in myself. So I'm going to repress it in them. You know, I'm going to try to repress them. Um, so it's just, it's miscommunication or it, it's a combination of miscommunication and misunderstanding, of course. Um, you know, overall. It's this idea of, you know, um, humanity not being able to really fully understand what it means to be human and, and what's healthy and normal and, and uh, reasonable behavior or, you know, sense of who one is or whatever you want to call it. Um, a sort of being afraid of you know, reality, the reality that one might actually be, you know, homosexual or heterosexual or whatever, you know, whatever you've been taught to be afraid of, you know, whatever shape, size, color, passion in your life is, uh, if you've been taught to, to believe that that's wrong, then, you know, you're going to have a hard time <laughs> existing in life. And that's going to cause frustration in some way. And that frustration is going to have to come out in some form or another. And it can either come out as a form of self-harm or it can come out as a form of other harm. You can want to, you know, repress yourself and harm yourself, punish yourself, or you can want to punish, harm, repress someone else. And usually it's a mixture of both, but it, it tends to come out in one way or another more strongly. Um, so anyway, so, so I was thinking about, you know, all this, this idea of hate crimes and the idea that uh, a long time ago I read a study um, that some scientists had done uh, involving button pressing and the strength of the button pressing or something like that. Anyway, and this all had to do with measuring the differences between emotions that one would have in relation to someone else. And one of the main things that they, that came out of this study was that, um, the, ex the, the way you could break down the expression of hatred was love plus anger. Um, and I would now call it love plus, I wouldn't specifically say anger, um, although it's a perfectly reasonable term, um, but I would, I would clarify, um, what that specific anger was, which was that a, it was a, a fear, um, of loss or fear of disconnection. Um, that's a, that's maybe a better way to, to put it because, um, there are other things you can be angry about. And this is a specific kind of anger that goes with hatred or a specific kind of um, negative reaction that comes with, with hatred. And um, so, yeah, so the, this, this study had shown, and, and it's, it's fairly obvious to me once I looked at it, I was like, of course, um, when, you, when you have this, this hatred, it's, it's, a, 
it's this desire to connect, but the inability to connect. And so you end up connecting. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a positive physical um, or emotional movement. I mean, you're actually reaching out to someone else. You're, you know, when you hate someone, you know, it's a very active, forward-moving momentum. You know, it's a, it's definitely not a retreat. It's definitely not a, a neutral. So it's, it's actually trying to connect with someone, but doing it in a way that's, that's um, otherwise negative. It's intellectually negative. It's, it's failing to make the connection. It's trying to make a connection while also trying to break the connection. Um, so what I tend to think of is, um, you know, so it's, if, if you think about it, literally, when this supposedly homophobic person comes up to, you know, stalk someone coming out of a gay bar and comes up to them, and of course this is a man, um, coming up to another man. That's actually, it's actually a homosexual act, beating up that gay person. So the man attacking the gay person is expressing homosexual tendencies by wanting to connect with that gay person, by fighting them. It's a physical, physical connection, right? It's, it's actually touching them. It's, you know... It's embracing them, um, you know, getting as close as possible and physically, passionately expressing oneself. <laughs> so it's this love plus the, you know, whatever you want to call it, the, the anger, the, the fear of loss, the fear of disconnection, and uh, the frustration that comes with that. So it's this, this both positive and negative thing. It's both the love and the anger or the, you know, the, the violence, the rage, the repression that comes with that because the person themselves can't admit that they have these homosexual tendencies. They have these, this desire to connect with another man. And, and of course, it may not be full-on homosexuality. Did I say heterosexual before? homosexual. Um, it may not be full-on homosexuality that this person is feeling, and maybe this person is just feeling a normal desire to connect with another male on a, on a you know, on a friendly basis, um, or on a, you know, just a somewhat intimate basis as a, a, a deep, you know, physical connection, but not sexual. So, you know, I'm not saying necessarily it's, you know, that that person is just straight out gay. I'm just saying that they have these tendencies of wanting to connect with another man in some way. Um, and those tendencies have been so repressed in themselves by, again, by their culture, by their parents, whatever, whoever taught them that it was wrong to have a, you know, a loving, you know, joyful physical connection with another man on any level that they've been taught that and so that they had to repress that in themselves and be violent to the, towards themselves and now they're just expressing that in the only way that their brain can sort out how to do. Um, so yeah, so I was thinking all this, that, that you know, the, the person, 
you know, the, the guy beating up the other guy for being gay, you know, is that love plus hate or love plus, I mean, sorry, it's that, that hate is the love plus the anger. Um, the hate crime is the love plus the anger. And so I'm thinking all about that. And then I start paying back attention to the, uh, the radio and on comes, <laughs> on comes the story about, um, a documentary being released, um, about, a philosopher, Hannah Arendt, um, who spoke, um, uh, rather critically and rather, um, rather supposedly controversially about, uh, Nazi war crimes saying that, um, you know, well, it's not really important what she was saying because I, I was gone by this point. I was off on another thing. But you can you can explore what that documentary is about if you want. Um, and Hannah Arendt and talking about um, how um, how the the the, the Nazis or this is one specific guy I can't remember was it Eichmann something like that um, didn't actually hate Jews. Uh, because he actually had a a secret mistress who was Jewish, um, so he didn't actually hate Jews, in the in the or he he didn't actually again where the word hate is going to get broken down, but um, didn't actually want all Jews to die. Put it this way, that's I guess that's a, a way to clarify that, um, you know, because he obviously he didn't want his mistress to die because he he loved her. Um, so that, that, uh, I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, here we go again. Here's exactly the same thing. Um, these, these hate crimes can be broken down into a desire for a connection, that love, plus an inability to connect and the frustration that comes with that, you know, not knowing how to connect. So that was actually, um, Probably all of that, or at least not all of it, but certainly quite a lot of the whole, you know, repression of the Jews and, um, again, homosexuals and others, you know, all the, all the different folks. It wasn't, we always, we always talk just about Jews um, in the Holocaust, but it was not just Jews. It was many, many different types of, you know, excuse me, different people who were repressed and killed and, and otherwise. Um, so again, it comes back to this hate. It, it's not just um, a typical bit of, of violence. You know, it's not this disconnected, impassionate, um, or just, you know, purely fear-based. Um, like if you're being attacked by a, I don't know, a robot or something or a tiger or something, you know, that, that didn't really have anything to do with you personally. Um, you're just being attacked and you're defending yourself and you're using violence to do that. Um, this is a very different thing um, in many ways because it involves this hatred, which, you know, if you're, if you're being attacked by a, a lion, you don't hate the lion, at least not you know, immediately, 
Um, you know, when you're when you're looking at the lion beforehand, you know, the lion is not attacking you. Maybe you're observing it from a distance or something like that. You know, you, you don't have this hatred toward it. You don't have much of any emotion toward it. You know, then like, hey, that's an interesting creature over there. You know, I wonder what its life is like, you know, things like that. But then once it starts attacking you, you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I better stop this. Um, but this is a very different thing when you're talking about a hate crime, when you're talking about it's a very passionate thing involving a love. And we tend to ignore this. And it's to our detriment, of course. You know, because when we recognize that that hate is grounded in love, it's grounded in a, desi- a strong desire for connection, strong de- desire to to be with this individual or group of people um, or whatever it is closely and intimately and, and really connect with them on a deep level in some way and not having the ability to do that, thus creating this, this dichotomy, this you know, repression and, and frustration and desire to, to both, you know, connect and disconnect at the same time, causing, you know, horrible, horrible kinds of crimes and and non-crimes, horrible, horrible things you know, that aren't officially crimes, like, you know, divorce and, and uh, you know, just general racism and sexism and, and all of that. Um, you know, <laughs> worrying about people going into different bathrooms, you know, that's highly in the news right now with... Um, the, the mid-Atlantic states, I guess, mostly right now, uh, passing laws saying, <laughs> saying people have to go into certain bathrooms, you know, based not on what they feel like their gender is, but what their driver's license says. <laughs> I'm like, well, what if you don't have a driver's license? I know, I guess there's a birth certificate, what the birth certificate says. Um, but anyway, um, so yes, I think it's really important for us to to make this more well known that these hate crimes are in fact based in a in a strong desire for connection and love and you know and it's not just we we talk so much and it drives me bonkers. You know, there's so many myths about psychopaths. And we say that psychopaths and sociopaths, they have no, they have no ability to you know, empathize or to connect with others, and you know, on an emotional level, and you know that that they don't, they they don't have the ability to love, and it's like, oh, that is exactly the, the opposite. That these people are desperate to connect, and that's why they do these horrible things. That's why they treat people so badly is because they want to connect and have no idea how to do it. And so they've got this dichotomy that's, that's causing them to do these crazy things that make no sense. And that's literally why this insanity is caused by, um, you know, two different forces crashing into one another. This, this force of love plus the force of anger or you know, frustration, fear of loss, uh, coming to a head and, and needing to express itself. And it, of course, comes out in the most horrible way because, you know, 
because we're human and we don't know what we're doing and we're very confused and we haven't been taught, you know, how to honestly and openly express ourselves in a healthy way. And so I think it's really crucial for us to do that, which is why I came up with my whole speaking up process. Um, again, it's, it's not perfect, but you know, it's one of the best things I've seen out there and, and any suggestions, of course, for other things. I mean, I've certainly used a variety of different things myself, but um, they don't work. The things that I that have worked for me necessarily uh, will not necessarily work for other people because it, and this is, again, why I came up with the speaking up process, because it doesn't speak to people on what level they're at. You know, the things that worked for me have worked on a level where I'm at, but not everyone is at that level. Um, you know, and even it, sometimes I'm not at that level and it doesn't work for me. <laughs> you know, there are plenty of times that that I'm not able to to help myself or to have someone else help me. Um, so the speaking up process is what I came up with to, to address that problem of finding people where they are at their level. And, and even, even that speaking a process can't address every level because some levels are, are nonverbal. Um, you know, when you're truly angry, you know, the, the, the people literally trying to punch someone else in the face, you know, the, the, the homophobic person, uh, the homosexual tendency person who's trying to repress themselves and attack others, um, you know, literally at that point is incapable of rational, logical, linguistic conversation. Um, and so, you know, my, my speaking up process at that point won't do a damn thing. Um, and, you know, so I, I've, we of course need people to address those those nonverbal states as well. I'm probably not the person to do that, and I know it involves um, the whole the PTSD. Um, the 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 most effective thing I've seen that comes out of the research about that is the is the need for people to uh, to actually go through the motions of what they want to do, of what their instinctive behavior is. Of as violent as it needs to be, well, essentially, you know, the as as violent as it needs to be on the internal end of things, not necessarily on the external side. So the ability to punch something, um, the ability to act out, to express that that physical, um, you know, pushing away while pulling towards motions, kinds of things. Uh, but need, but doing that in a way that doesn't actually, you know, cause any serious harm. Um, so again, that's, you know, the punching the pillow, that sort of thing, but it, it obviously doesn't work quite as well. But again, this is not my forte. There are other people who have researched this and should research this um, more, more carefully. And again, that, that goes back to a lot of reasons why, um, the guy had taken up boxing in the first place. Uh, the, the guy who had been attacked took up boxing because he wasn't able to fight back at the time. His, his story, he said he wasn't, you know, he didn't fight back at all, apparently. He just kind of laid there and took it. Um, and so probably doing the boxing was allowed him to um, 
not get PTSD or to at least overcome it by going out there and actually doing something uh, that expressed what his body had wanted to do at the time. So, you know, there's, there's, there are people who need to research that and, and work on that end of things. And my end of things is on the, the, the more after the fact, the more logical, thoughtful, emotional, psychological end of where we tell our stories and recreate the narrative in our own heads and express that to the world so that we can clarify who we are and what we want and move forward and have, have goals that help us direct where we, you know, how we make choices and where we go in life. Um, so that's what my speaking up process is. And anyway, um, I guess I've rambled on enough. And I hope you explore these ideas of, you know, what hate crimes and what psychopathy and so sociopathy and all of these things really are at their heart, which is a combination of, of a positive wanting to connect love, emotion, combined with a, a fear-based anger, frustration, um, sense of loss at wanting to connect and not being able to do it for some reason. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a very important combination of those two things. It's not just, you know, anger. It's not just pure negative violence. There's actually a very positive, beautiful element to it that, is, that needs to be addressed um, if we ever want to solve these problems. And my speaking up process is an attempt to help solve those problems. Um, and if you're interested in learning about that, um, I will have links, obviously, on my blog, which you can find at by going to www.turl.org. Uh, so that's um, going to send you to my blog, at my WordPress, or wherever it happens to be hosted at the time. And um, you can also email me by contacting me at thewiseturtle at gmail.com. So that's T-H-E-W-I-S-E-T-U-R-T-L-E at gmail, G-M-A-I-L.com. Um, and you can also find me over on Reddit, uh, which is where I tend to spend most of my time when I do get online, if I have enough time to do other stuff and get into conversations. And my username at Reddit is T-U-R-I-L, Terrell. And so you can find me by going to www.reddit.com slash user, U-S-E-R, slash Turl, T-U-R-I-L. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. Namaste.